Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode 19, recorded on Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. The title of this episode is A Twist of the Wrist with Keith Code. In this episode, I talk with retired motorcycle racer, author, inventor, entrepreneur, and founder of the California Superbike School, Keith Code. I really enjoyed doing this interview with Keith, and I hope you enjoy and get as much out of it as I did. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. I have a very special guest. Joining me tonight is Keith Code. Keith is an accomplished motorcycle road racer, which includes getting to the winner's circle in his first ever superbike race at Laguna Seca in 1976 and winning 11 out of 12 California events in Grand Prix and other classes in 1977 through 78. Keith is also founder of the California Superbike School, which was formed in 1979, and he's the author of three books, A Twist of the Wrist, Volumes 1 and 2, the book The Soft Science of Road Racing Motorcycles, and he wrote, directed, and produced the companion videos to the books, A Twist of the Wrist, 1 and 2. So welcome, Keith. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Pleasure. It's, it's, it's awesome to, to have a chance to do this. Uh, I know we kind of pulled this together really, really quick notice, so I was glad you are able to kind of fit this into your schedule. Um, so it's, it's actually kind of interesting. You know, I first became aware of you back in the 90s, which is way, way before I ever really got interested in motorcycles or started riding. But... I remember coming across your photo and a little bio about what you did and motorcycles and motorcycling, and there was just something about that that was like, wow, I have to meet this guy someday. So it's, it's taken maybe 30, <laughs> whatever, it's 20, 24 years, but here we are finally get a chance, get a chance to meet you. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> okay. Well, that's and uh, and, and the, the reason it came up more recently is, I don't know if you've seen it at all, but one, one of the guys that I've had on the show uh, is a guy, Greg Widmar who is an ex-Marine who also is a motorcycle instructor. And uh, so he studied under Lee Parks, and you know, he does the teaches the total control program. And so he developed a system called Jitsu. And the basic idea of it is he wants to encourage people, one, to do training, right, to, to get training. You know, his main thing is get people to wear gear, take courses and train, and then in between have you know, kind of lower speed, motor, uh, you know, parking lot, exercises and skills that they can do to kind of hone their street riding skills but he definitely is a proponent of you know people taking classes you know and getting educated as riders so the system mode jitsu he has some background in martial arts right so he kind of used that idea in the development of this program so he's got these various belts right and the point i'm getting to is his white belt which is the first step he outlines some things that you could practice in a parking lot but he also has recommended things to, to study and learn about, one of which is your, your book, A Twist of the Wrist 2 and the DVD, right? So that's kind of what, you know, reminded me about you and, and your work. And I was like, you know what? Well, if I'm going to look at those two, let me just get the whole smack, right? So I went onto your website and I got, you know, both books and both DVDs. My girlfriend and I have watched the DVDs together, you know, and I, I read A Twist of the Wrist 2, kind of doing it backwards, but uh, you know, I'm now reading halfway through the first book. Um, so anyway, I was like, <clears throat> this is some really cool stuff. 
it'd be really nice to talk to the guy that, that authored it. So here we are. Here we are. Um, <clears throat> so I guess a first question I have for you is maybe it's an obvious one is maybe something you've been asked before, but what, what was the inspiration for that title, a twist of the wrist? <laughs> well, actually it was uh, funny. It was just something that sprang into my head when I was, uh, chatting with the, uh, the editor at motorcyclist magazine, um, back then, which was, uh, 19, I think in 1982, uh, I had written, a uh, an article and I asked him if he wanted the article and then because um, I thought it was a pretty good article and he said well wh- what why did you write it and I said oh I don't know uh, maybe I think maybe it's part of uh, yeah it's part of a book I'm, I think I'm going to do a book he said oh really what's the what's the title of the book and I said um, uh, a twist of the wrist okay <laughs> so just- Top, was, just off the top of your head. Off the top of my head. And, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the article was uh, the first chapter in A Twist of the Wrist, which is called The Road You Ride. And it outlines the various changes that can be thrown at you by any road or, or curve or corner. On, you know, mm-hmm. what, are, what are the radius changes? What are the camber changes? What are the configuration of the corners? Increasing okay. radius, decreasing radius, and that type of thing. And uh, he liked that very much. And uh, he printed the article and he paid me for it. So, and it was, uh, so it was the first, first, uh, money I had made, uh, as, uh, 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 on a twist of the wrist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, uh, it, 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 of course it forced me into having to actually write the book. Right. Right. I didn't have any interest in writing a book. I mean, I just wanted to write an article. Actually, I had written some material because I'd started uh, training writers back in uh, the fall of 1976 out here. And I wrote up about uh, seven pages of a thing I called the Keith Code Writer Improvement Program. And the people who signed up for that were, I had a pretty good reputation as a club racer at that time. People who were signing up were, they were club racers for, for the, in the uh, American Federation of Motorcycles, Cyclists, uh, AFM club. Mm-hmm. That was, operates in California, Southern, there was a Southern chapter and a Northern chapter at any rate. Uh, and I had great success with, uh, with each and each and every one of the people that I had trained. But at, at that time there was, uh, it was very, very new because there was no coaching, um, mm-hmm. of any kind. Uh, there were no people saying, yeah, you know, come to me, I'll help you out with your writing. It just, it didn't exist at all. There were, there were one or two guys actually that had a, Kind of, you know, follow follow me. Let's we'll go to the racetrack, and you follow me around, and I'll show you the good lines, and 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 that and that'll be the end of it. But of course, that's that's not uh, that's not real coaching. <laughs> right, right. Sure, that's sure, that's sure. do that's do what I do what I do, and all will be well. Well, yeah. okay, I I don't think that works well. <laughs> right, gotcha. So what um what what gave you that idea to to bring you know kind of formalized training to motorcycling since it wasn't being done you know at the time. Well, I thought that um, I was, I, I saw that there were a few things that helped me and uh, in my right. And I thought, well, you know, uh, uh, actually a friend of mine said, why don't you train other writers? And I went, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a very good student myself, so I don't, I don't really believe in, in, in training too much. Uh, but uh, I, I, I thought... Uh, that this was possible. 
And as I sat down and, and wrote up my observations on things that did help me, uh, I, again, I came up with, with a, a few pages of information. And uh, the, uh, the, it was very interesting because the, the course was, that I was selling, this Keep the Code Writer Improvement Program, was two days. And the first day was all theory. Right, and I would run each person through each one of the the, uh, the little bulletins that I had written, and uh, make sure that they understood it. Uh, I gave them I gave them good thorough checkouts. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what a checkout is. Yeah, and, and where where of course I uh, I, I was uh, relentless in making sure that they understood what I was talking about. And then the second day we went out to the track, and the track at that time that we used was Willow Springs. It was very inexpensive back then. It was like thirty dollars for the day, and you write all day long. And uh, again, it was uh, each, each and every one of the students I had. Um, I still have all the folders from every single one of them, dozens of them. They improved so dramatically that uh, people quit giving me a hard time about coaching people <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it was not accepted at the time. Okay. And in fact, coaching, motorcycle right, racer coaching did not become accepted until about two or three years ago. Wow. When some of the MotoGP riders like Valentino Rossi, for example, Danny Pedrosa and many and many others started inducting uh, for themselves a coach. And then, okay. of course, the MotoGP guys could do it. Well, then everybody must be something good. Right? <laughs> right. So I thought, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, 45 years later, after I started coaching riders, somebody it, it's finally so, you know, caught on. But anyhow, yeah. uh, that, that was pretty much pretty much it. How how I got started with, uh, with the coaching back then. Of course, I was still racing at that time. I was racing Superbike, 76, 77, 78, 79, for uh, Yoshimura, for uh, team, the, better, the better team, Racecrafters team. And it was, it was all on uh, 1,000cc Kawasaki's. Mm-hmm. Z1s. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Kawasaki fan. I have two Kawasaki's in the garage. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool, cool connection. Did did you were you racing at the pro level? Like I know you did a lot of club racing. Were you racing as a pro back then, or no? Superbike was uh, the only the only place Superbike was was in America, and it was uh, it was pro level. It was it was AMA. Okay, right. Gotcha. Uh, it started. Uh, Superbike started in '76, and uh, I didn't go to Daytona that year because we didn't have a bike ready yet. But uh, uh, the uh, that was the beginning of the class. 1976. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and those were leader bikes, you said, right? Or they, you could run. Uh, yes, they were actually. Yeah, okay. uh, I I think uh, I think Cook Nielsen's bike, the editor at Cycle Magazine back then, his Ducati was. I think it was a board out 750, mm-hmm. but thousand cc's was the was that the, was the thing was the limit. Yeah, yeah, cool. So when um. As you were developing, you know, your, your training system and methodology and, and kind of the way you approach, like, an, analyzing riding, right? Like, wh- where did your ability to do that come from? Do you have any kind of technical background or anything? Or was it, it just kind of just figuring it out as, as you went, as you needed to as a rider? You know what I mean? Like, do you have, like, an engineering background or anything like that? Or? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't. So Actually, uh... Necessity. The basic, the basic, the basics on uh, on learning things, I got from the, the Scientology course called the Student Hat. The, right. 
which means the, student, the job of a student. What's the job of a student? Yeah. And it, it, it had a big impact on my life because, uh, I mean, I just barely got out of high school, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, uh, it wasn't a good time for me. Uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy school at all. And I did a couple of years of college, but really all I did was duck out of classes and, uh, um, uh, and I did well, it was the sixties, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so what else, what else I was doing was what you, whatever, what we all did in the sixties. Right. And did, did a lot of that. Uh, so, uh, that, 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 that course really kind of cracked things open for me and gave me, gave me some confidence that, uh, if I applied the, the information that I got on the course, which was all very, very, very simple, that I would be able to transmit my ideas or the ideas that I, that I was, that I was, uh, that I was starting to, starting to understand about how to ride uh, to another person. In other words, I knew, I knew at that point that I could communicate them, right. And, and yeah, get right. them cleared so that that person knew and they were, they understood them. Uh, and uh, it just worked out really, really well. And the, after I started the superbike school, um, my first professional uh, racer who was being backed by a factory uh, was Wayne Rainey, who mm-hmm. went on to win multiple superbike, U.S. superbike championships and also three world championships. Yeah. And uh, he would come up to my house once or twice a week and uh, I would make him look up words. Okay. And go and go, get, go. get things defined. Yep. Yeah, go through all the all, all the basics of study as I had learned them from the uh, from the Ron Hubbard L. L. Ron Hubbard course, and uh, he still remembers that time very much. And uh, some of the things that we did at that time, which was really great, and we became fast friends, of course. But at, at any rate, that that was uh, Wayne was the was uh, the first professional rider in America to that a factory paid for coaching and oh, wow. for, they paid me to coach him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that, that it, you'd think that that would break new ground, but it wasn't, I was still the only coach out there mm. <laughs> all through the eighties, most okay. almost all the, all through the nineties and, and even most of the two thousands. So, well, well, when, when you're ahead of your time, you're ahead of your time. I mean, it's just, you know, things sometimes catch up <laughs> to where you're at, you know, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that the student hack course, because, you know, I, I have four years of engineering training, you know, electrical engineering later went on to become a computer programmer. But after, after struggling through college, I did that course and it just totally changed my perception an understanding of learning, you know, because when I came out of college, you know, I had the idea that certain people were good at certain subjects, you know, that, okay, this person's good at science and this person's good at English. And, you know, it was somehow it was inbred or inborn or something. And after doing that course, yeah. I realized I, I had the tools and the ability to learn anything I wanted to learn. So yeah, that, 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 was, that was a life changer for me as well. Well, you asked me if I had an engineering background. Uh, no, but, uh, I, I had to learn uh, some physics and some engineering, mm-hmm. and just in in the in the course of trying to figure out different aspects of writing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just like you, I I was able to apply it to to trying to uh, understand you know things that I really had no training for whatsoever. Uh, I, 
you know, I, I, there was nothing in high school that I was interested in at all right. or college, to be honest. So uh, I had to find out all these things on my own. But but that but you're right. The course really made a big difference because you you found out that you could learn. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm not the dummy. I think I am. You know, like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. Um, you mentioned like regarding coaching that it's only been whatever the past several years that it's kind of become accepted for motorcycle racers. Right. What, what do you think that's attributed to? Is it, was, was it just kind of a, a, a macho, like a machismo kind of thing? Like, you know, I can figure it out on my own. I don't need someone to teach me or. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, you're alone. You're alone when you're, uh, when you're on the bike and, you know, <clears throat> riders, uh, like to take full credit for whatever it is that they do well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's a very, uh, very personal sport. Motorcycle racing is a very personal sport, but so is motorcycle, motorcycle riding for that matter. Sure. And, uh, I mean, at the superbike school uh, would, would be a very good example. I mean, the, our average student, first of all, he's about 43 years old. All right. Mm -hmm average student he's not interested in racing at all i might 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 want to go to a track day right but I'm not interested in racing for the most part 95 percent of the students are not racers and what what do they want they want to be better riders they want to feel more in control of the machine right you can say safe but safe doesn't really add up when you talk about motorcycles because they're not safe at all right there's, not, there's nothing safe about them but Safety is just a big buzzword. You know, if you try to break it down and say, well, what would be safe? You know, and then at the end, at the end of the day, all you do is come up with something like you should leave your motorcycle parked in the garage. And you'll, yeah, well, you'll, be, you'll be perfectly safe. Right? It, it's, it's interesting you say that because I've mentioned on a couple of past episodes, like as an engineer and like a computer programmer, I, I could make a beautiful spreadsheet that would show anyone why I shouldn't ride a motorcycle. Yeah, you know, whatever, right? It's it's dangerous and it doesn't make sense. And it's not logical. It's not practical, and, and blah blah blah. But yeah. uh, while I'm an engineer in some respects, I, I also I just love motorcycling, and so that that kind of goes to the wayside. And so I, I just have the passion to ride, and I do what I can to protect myself. You know, w whether it's gear or training, education, you know, etc. So, well, I've I've trained uh, my myself personally. And the coaches I have trained around the world, we have over 100 coaches around the world. We have, uh, we have, we run in uh, 13 countries in Europe and the Middle East, in, in, including India and Scandinavian countries, mm -hmm. Italy, England, etc. We have a, a, school, a branch school that operates out of the UK. We have another branch school in Australia that goes to the uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Malaysia, Taiwan, mm -hmm. China. Yeah. Uh, the Philippines. I mean, we go all over the place, and we've trained uh, with uh, the technology of riding that I have developed. We've trained over two hundred thousand riders. Wow! I mean, this is a big chunk of chunk of people, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, the there isn't anybody that gets out of out of the end of a school day that doesn't improve. And we fact actually we guarantee we guarantee it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, oh, you didn't improve. Okay, fine. You get a free school, right? Right. I, I gave away, you know, one free school last year to some guy who, you know, had a pretty big, pretty grandiose idea about how life goes and how right. good a writer he was. But I gave him a school anyhow. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's one out of 2,700 people. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the technology has, has, uh, has 
I've written in the in the books, the Two Twist the Wrist books and the Soft Science book, and then uh, that's gone much, much, much further. I'm, it's it's what we what we have at the schools now, uh, which I've fo- been focusing on quite uh, quite laser like for the last four years is uh, a very, very expanded uh, tr- a coaching system. And uh, we have uh, we have what we call uh, our levels. The schools, the schools divided into levels. Level one, two, and three are packages, just groupings of skills that relate mm-hmm. to each other, right? They're not, they're not advanced. They're not anything. They're basics, right? right? Anybody who comes to school goes through level one, two, and three, just like that, right? Level four is an individualized program for for the riders after they've done levels one, two, and three. Got you. Right, where whatever it is that they're struggling with, that's what the coach, the, the riders on track coach, and myself as a, as a, their consultant, that's what we work on, and uh, it, uh, it's developed into. I have over two hundred drills that break down riding into very, 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 very small, small slices. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, there, there is pretty much nobody can get through really without improving. It's great. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and the, the great thing for me is because I, it's just, I'm, I make it up as I go along. I'm, I'm looking at these guys and they, they come to me with problems. Right. And if I don't, if I don't have, if, if I don't have a solution already, I make up one. Right. And, uh, it, it's uh, it just uh, I don't know if it's a knack of mine or just some it's just that I have a, such uh, such so many years of doing this uh, that uh, I've, been, I've been just so fortunate to be able to work with all these people and figure out solutions for their writing. And, you know, they uh, everybody gets better. <laughs> well, re- results speak for themselves. I mean, that's results. results <clears throat> you know, yeah. And end of the day, that's, you know, did, did, did people improve? Yes. Well, it works. <laughs> you know, it's like you uh, don't need more than that. I am totally proud of it for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, but I, it's, it's a team effort though. The whole thing is people come sure. to school and they say, this school is wonderful, blah, 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 and all this other kind of stuff. And I go, yeah, well, when we have a school, there are 22 staff mm-hmm. and all the coaches are trained, very highly trained. Our coaching manual alone is is a stunning 400 pages of coaching material. These are things that I've written up on how you coach. What is the coaching job? Right. And uh, those things have been evolving since uh, I I started working on the material in 1996. So that's, uh, I guess, 13 years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No more. Yeah. No, 13 years. Yeah. 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 Yep. So and and it evolves. It, it I mean it literally it almost evolves on a on a school day basis so on a daily basis. And so, I you know people ask me is like, oh, you have so much experience, you must know everything. There is no about writing, and my answer is, <laughs> nope. Uh, I I really do not know everything there is to know about writing. And I think that's one of the things that's so cool about motorcycling is there is so you know I, I'm kind of way at the beginning of things. You know, I've ridden, I've been riding three years. I've got uh, I don't know maybe eight thousand miles under my belt. No track yet, although I would like to try that. But uh, it, it just everyone I talk to talks about that. Like there's always 
that next thing that you could learn or you could accomplish or better yourself at, you know, whether it's you're on the track and it's like, you know, a tenth of a second better time or you're on the street and it's getting through a turn smoother than you ever have. It, it's a constant, there's a constant possibility to challenge yourself, you know, so oh, yeah. it's just, it just never gets boring. It's like, it's, it's actually limitless and which is job security for me because sure. <laughs> coming back to school <laughs> Because they want they want to know more. They want to learn more, and, yeah. and that's exactly what happens. And we uh, we uh, I designed a program for the military in 2006. We called it the Amos program, the Advanced Motorcycle Operator School, and we uh, we run uh, eleven a little over eleven hundred U.S. Marines and a couple of Navy guys in there through this program. It was a two day program, and uh, it had many 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 drills that I made specifically for these guys because they're all street riders. It was not for military purposes. It was right. because, just because military uh, guys in the, in the, in the military at that time, more of them were dying here on motorcycles, on motorcycles than they were in Iraq. Uh-huh. So uh, this, the program uh, was tracked. Each individual person who came through the program was tracked for a good solid seven years. And there were there was one fatality, which absolutely wasn't the guy's fault. Somebody came across a, a median and took him out on, in a in a car or something like that. So, <clears throat> but what many of the things that we that we learned through that that program, because every one of the drills was graded, and each one of the riders was graded, so that at the end of the day, he would get with his group, his riding group from that base, and and uh, the. The, the mentors that they have, the military military guys, every base has a club, so mm-hmm. right uh, could get with them and and see if they could uh, help improve their riding. What 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 they weren't able to uh, assimilate during the course of the, of the of the training that we gave them, right? And um, we found out some amazing stuff, and we we got amazing results on uh, braking and cornering and. Uh, some of the things that we found out were one of the most interesting thing was we had a, a, a cone weave course that had, we had uh, radar boards at the, at the far end of this cone weave course. And we were about six cones. They were, uh, the cones are 25 feet apart, but we would start the riders out at 15 miles an hour and put uh, correct any steering problems that they had right mm-hmm. body position and steering of the motorcycle really get the rider connected with the bike so that they're actually working the bike and not right. not sort of fudging the whole thing mm-hmm. and what we learned was that uh, at 15 miles an hour we get the guy so that he looked good he looked good he looked competent could do it we move it to 20 and the whole program would fall apart the guy, the guy was would be lost again. Back to, back to the other, back the to the old, like old habits. We train him up at twenty miles an hour, bump it up to twenty five. The whole thing would fall apart. Five miles an hour, weaving cones twenty five feet apart. Right. Wow. I, I could go through the cones at forty five. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we, we we ended this thing at thirty miles an hour, but we would take him 15, 20, 25, and thirty. But it fell apart. On virtually every rider, every single time we moved it at five miles an hour, and this is very, very, very telling. You know, you really understand that uh, the, the understanding something at one at one level 
pr pretty well can can uh, be overshadowed by well, I'll put it simply, speed. Right. Yeah. Right. So somebody somebody feels pretty good about what they did in a parking lot course or something like that. Sure. What we, what we know is that yeah, that doesn't always translate out into the room. And uh, we have started to do a, a, something we call the uh, confidence course. Uh, we've, we've done a little pilot project on it with a few people and we've been using uh, go-kart tracks. Okay. So we have, it's, it's much better than a, you know, the, like Big the old track stuff range is 200 by 200 feet. Right. right. So we got, we got corners. We, you know, and, and we, uh, and we coach the coach the students through it. It's a, We've seen huge, huge, huge improvements in them. Uh, so we, I think we understand training. Uh, we train more riders than anybody else in the world. We know wow. that, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a more, a more uh, unified program than anybody uh, for sure. Just because uh, it's it's been tried and tested and true, and worked over so so many times uh, that we we just don't fail. And uh, it's it that's. That's uh, well. That's all I do, actually. <laughs> that's my life. That's right. what. I, that's what I do. That's my work, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, myself. I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's fantastic to try to figure out how to ride motorcycles every day. Absolutely. So, it is your role more nowadays more like that tweaking, you know, basically constantly looking at the training programs and where the difficulties are, and and tweaking and adjusting. Yeah. Is that That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and developing and developing, as I said, it's, it, writing turns out to be a technology. There's just no question about it. I mean, simple things. You know, um, there's so much attention put on body position, right? Everybody who, especially if they go to track days, they want to look like a MotoGP guy. Right. right they want to right knee yeah. on the ground and yeah that's right exactly <laughs> they want to have a knee on the ground they want to you know have their head turned in just right and lean the bike over really really far and, yeah and uh and i i sat down one day and i started writing down the 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 elements of body position in general overall what is what is the whole what are what are the things that comprise this thing called body position right and when I finished writing the list, it was 57 items. I saw that, yeah. That, that, that uh, influence or, or uh, elements, right? Any one of them, if it goes sour, can kind of uh, uh, brush, brush the other ones, uh, uh, make it difficult to have a good body position, whether yeah. it's for racing or for street riding or, or whatever it is. Right. So they're very, very, very uh, connected. Um, at any rate, you know, n nobody believes that there are 57 elements to body position, but I, I got them written down, and the mm -hmm. co coaches coach each other on them so that they can so that they can identify them in the students that they work with. So they and they know them all. So it's uh, it's it's real. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is real. That's, that's just that, that's just one thing. I mean. Uh, if I, if, you know, if we had, uh, if we had a, uh, a more, uh, if we had a forum, if you and I, Chris had a forum right now, uh, I would, uh, I would be, it would be a, a great challenge. I would, and the challenge question would be, okay, how many actions can, are coordinated mm -hmm. with your right hand? 
Right. right. Yeah. The yeah. answer the answer's forty-seven. Wow. Different ones. All of them can be done in one lap at a racetrack. Okay. And and that's just right hand, you said. That's your so right hand. Wow. Right. The thing wow, the wow, thing wow. you use the most is your right hand. Right. right. And to, and there there are actually forty seven different items actions that coordinate with that. And that's not even including the visual aspects of it, right? That would just take it off into the moon somewhere, probably. Sure. So yeah, what I mean, what I mean by that is that I'm just, I'm finding these things out, you know, I, we open up, a, I open up a page and go, well, there's something here. And then, and then is there something to coach? And the answer is yes. You know, there's something to coach on these things. Cause you think about, you know, going out and the riders, you know, having some difficulty and the coach can't quite figure it out. And right. it might, it can be as simple as the rider is just uncoordinated enough so that things start to feel rushed to them. And then they start to make other mistakes just as a, as a, as an example. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it kind of sounds like one of the keys to what you've done is <clears throat> being able to break things down into small enough pieces. You know, like we, we talk about in Scientology, gradient scales, right? Like breaking it down to sufficiently small pieces that things can be adjusted. Like you, you mentioned that you've got over 100 drills, right? Like specific drills that target different areas that people might have difficulty with, right? 200. And 200, okay. So, so, and so that I think that's the thing. There's, there's all of these little aspects that, like you said, if one of them is out, you know, it's just not being done correctly could throw off so many other things. Yeah. Well, each one of them is a specific exercise. All right. So right. The writer comes in, he's got a problem. I look through my book, I talk to him and consult with him and find out what it is he understands or doesn't understand or what it is he's struggling with. And then I go to my book. Uh, it might be one of the 37 throttle control uh, drills that we have. It might be one of the uh, 29 visual drills that we have, you know, one of them, I'm just only going to give him one. Right. right. So that he can actually make an improvement. So we have a it's nice because we have so many entrances, so many ways to access uh, the uh, the rider, uh, the rider's improvement. We can we, we, we got lots of access. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So the, um, the 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 various level classes that you have, like the level one, two and three over what duration are they are they like a weekend or uh right uh well each each level can be done in one day there are five there are five official technical drills on each one of the levels one two and three okay and again it's just an integrated package it has nothing to do with experience at all mm-hmm. it's you know new, new rider old rider you know uh seniors racer uh you know, somebody who's just ridden a few thousand miles in the street, they do, they right. go through the same progression, the same, the same. So the, the same sequence of skills development. And, and I guess some people may master it quicker than others, but I, I guess it makes sure that everyone kind of gets to the same point, right? In terms of competence, basically. Uh, yeah. We, not, uh, not ability, not ability necessarily, but like in terms of understanding, like you kind of, wherever the person comes, like, like you said, they could be a road racer, they could be a brand new rider, but they go, okay, step by step by step through all these different things. So those basics are kind of established. Right. We you do know, those, tech- those key elements. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. We do a technical briefing for each, for each one of the drills uh, with lots of audio visual. And then the riders go out 
and, with their coach on the track, and the coaches observe them and coach them on the track, right, in motion while the rider's actually doing it, mm-hmm. right, at, at whatever speed they want to go. It, that's We don't restrict them on speed. Mm. And uh, at the end of the ride, the coach brings them back in and debriefs them on on what it was that they that they got out of that drill, where they were able to apply it, where they were having difficulty applying it, and gives them a little bit of a, a target for that particular drill for the next when they go back out on the track the next time. Right. And uh, this is uh, this is this is a, it's a workable system. That's mm-hmm. that's what I can say. It's a workable that, system. If it works, it works. So is that so? Those those things are done basically one on one, one student, one coach, or is is a coach working with a number of students? Yeah, one? on our single days, uh, each coach will have three riders that they are okay. responsible for. Okay, uh, and we have also what we call a two day camp, and and that's uh, two students to each coach. So gotcha. it gets uh, gets more like semi private training on the two day uh, two day camps. We call it two right. day. Camp. We have a thing called a half camp, which is the same. It's two students, two students uh, per coach. And uh, the uh, we don't put a lot of riders on the track. But track days are, are, are uh, tra- traditionally uh, too crowded, mm-hmm. right? So the most riders we'll put on the track at any given time is 21, which is no problem. And most of the tracks are two to two and a half miles long. So we got 20 riders, 21 riders. Spread out. Yeah. I mean, they, they clump up for sure at, at some point along the line. And then in the two-day camps, it's even more exclusive. There are only 16 riders out on the track. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So, and, and then do the, are, the, are the coaches on like comms with the, the students? No. Like inter, intercom or it's just kind of visual signals and whatever? Yeah, hand, hand signals, hand signals. Uh, pull-ins if they have to pull the guy in and, and give them a quick... A uh, quick uh, uh, instruction. Uh, the uh, the calm thing. I tried that back in the nineteen eighties. Uh, it's it's more distracting than it is a benefit. Mm-hmm. Bottom line uh, right. is, is what I found. Yeah, gotcha. so it's not uh, it's 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 not worth it. It sounds great. Seems like it would be cool, high tech, and all that, right? But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, yeah. it just uh, it just it didn't work. All I can say, it just what it wasn't. It wasn't what uh, the idea would. would uh, the, the idea of having uh, on board specific instruction while you're doing it. Again, it sounds great, but like it. Our mind distracting. Was, I guess it was more distracting than it was. Uh, yeah. Was the benefit it chopped the rider up, chopped his attention up too much. Right. Right. No, I could. Yeah, no, I could see that. That kind of makes sense because just thinking about it, like if if I was working with a coach and the coach said, "Okay, I want you to do such and such and practice this thing," yeah, I would like to be able to just go and focus on this thing, and then see how I did, you know. And then fine, you know, he wants to point out what I did correctly, incorrectly, whatever. But yeah, yeah if if I have someone in my head go and do this, do that, I, I could see how I actually would detract from the exercise. So. Yeah. Well, it's almost if you think think about people uh, talking on cell phones and stuff when they're driving their driving. car. Yeah, true. <laughs> Distracting they're attention. They're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> dangerous, right? Yeah. Let alone texting or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So the um, so so level one, two, and three are are pretty much um, standard 
courses, right? Everybody does the same exercises, drills yes. and exercises. And then level four sounded like was tailored to the individual. It's a, it's a customized program for the, for the rider. Yeah. It's uh, whatever he and his, and the coach come up with at the end of the ride. Uh, the coach writes, writes me a note, right? I'm, as I'm the consultant. Oh, I have other consultants. I'm not the only one. I have other guys I'm trained. Uh, so the, the, the student comes in with a note and the coach will have a suggestion of one of those 200 drills that he thinks may be, may be the next step for this guy. The consultant's job is to, is to untangle that and make sure that that is the, next, the right next drill. And sometimes we change it. Sometimes we just keep the rider on the same drill. Sometimes we find a sort of what you would call an undercut, something that would supply a more, uh, a more solid foundation to whatever it is that the guy is struggling with. And that's just the way it goes. So, I mean, we've had, we've had guys do level four, a level four day, their own custom program. Uh, one guy's done it 132 times. He's done 132 days as a level four student. Of course, he learns something new every, every time he comes. Or, or has to revisit something that, that uh, has dropped out, right? Yep. Which, which also happens. Sure. No, I can see that. It definitely happens. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or whatever. You uncover a weakness you didn't realize was there. Or, like, it reminds me of what you were talking about, like what you found with the cone exercise, right? You know, having riders go, okay, go 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, and they would master at one speed, and then you go to the next speed, and it kind of falls apart, right? Because something. Yeah whatever something they didn't quite grasp that you need when you're doing the next step of it you know when you're when you're at the next speed or whatever happens to be well it's it boils down to uh whether the rider is able to to put and focus their attention on the key elements that get the skill or the technique applied and get the result that they're supposed to get out of it whether it's steering or throttle control or uh, how much lean they use, or if it's a visual skill, or, or whatever. Uh, if the if the speed is distracting, or they're distracted by something about the bike, uh, they're a little clumsy with the controls. You know, anything can throw a monkey wrench into the deal uh, until they until they drill it and drill it and drill it and drill it enough times to with good coaching. So th- right. yeah, the good the, the coaching is fantastic because. Uh, you have somebody else looking at you. It's really easy to delude, delude yourself on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you got yeah you got an external view of what you're doing that you can compare to what you think you're doing. Yes, right. And what we think we're doing sometimes is far, far, <laughs> yes. far from right. from what we're doing. Right. Like like people who do their first track day and feel like they were lean way way over, and then they they see the video and it's like, well, you, you know, you did what you did, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't Marquez or what? You know, like, oh, yeah, some very disappointed faces looking at the photos. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But, but ultimately, it's did you enjoy? Did you enjoy being on the track, or did you enjoy the ride? Right. That's and and, what, and was it safe? Did you, and you, did you get home in one piece? That's I think the main thing. Well, you know, on the safety issue, what you can do is teach somebody to control something, and if they understand it and they understand the basics of it, then they they know what the parts of it are. And they have some idea of how those parts integrate. They might never be, you know, the, the greatest rider in the world, but they can be as good as they can be. Mm-hmm. And and uh, con- in, in control is as safe as you can get. Sure. Realize right. that, that safe is is just a big buzzword, a big general, big generality that really hardly means anything at all. Yeah. No, it, that's true. 
And it's well, not something you can really measure either. That's very subjective, right? Well, your definition is good. You made it through the end of till the end of the day. Right. <laughs> well <Stay>. done. <laughs> I guess I would. I guess I, I, guess I would say. Yeah. That's not as good as you can get on the, the defining safe. Yeah. 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 Made it there. Well, uh, I know uh, one of the things that really kind of stuck with me in reading, I guess it's the second book, Twist of the Rest 2, I think, um, or maybe it was the first book, where you talk about, uh, what do you call it, Sur survival reactions? Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Where, and, and that whole idea about how what the writer may feel they need to do, and especially, I guess, someone less experienced, right, could be exactly the opposite of what the motorcycle needs to, to your point, keep it in control. And, and, and so they're, they're in a turn and they feel like they, they went in too hot. And so the reaction, whatever, it's, it's back, you know, chop the throttle or stand the bike up. And really, you know, what you need per the, how the dynamics of the bike work is maybe more throttle and more lean. And, and so it's something I, you know, definitely need to practice. Um, but it, it really kind of struck a chord. I was like, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I guess that's really where untrained riders get themselves into trouble. You know, the, guy, the guys that go canyon carving and, and they wreck kind of thing. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> they, uh, the seven basic survival reactions are, are, are listed in the book. And, yeah. But everybody who rides or is familiar with all of them, right? They've had right. them they've, they've to everybody. Oh, yes, I've done that. Oh, yeah, of course I've done that. Yes, right. I talked about something. Yeah, I overbraked or, or I didn't break enough or uh, it, uh, I, uh, I tightened up on the, on the handlebars. And, you know, the, 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 they're very handy. It's good to know what they are because they are the things that spoil anybody's ride yeah. anytime, you know, that they're, that they're riding. And obviously, uh, you know, nobody has any trouble with straightaways. Even brand new riders don't have trouble with straight Well, that's the easy part, right? <laughs> Go straight and whack the throttle. <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, for, for the most part, you know. Stop at the end. Okay, maybe that's a little more difficult. <laughs> right, so it's all about cornering. It's all about, yeah. it's all, that's, uh, that's, that's our sort of motto, motto cor uh, you know, cornering, discover the art. You know, actually, the whole thing is learn, learn, the, learn the learn the skills, discover the art, and right. that's what it takes. And there are basics to motorcycle riding, and uh, I've had I've had the, the the luck to figure out what some of those basics are. And they're not basics because I said they're basics; they're just basics because they are. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And you can't you can't you can't sidestep them. They they're they're must do things that. Right. Uh, must must do skills uh, that that each rider, the the more familiar they are and the more more in control of them they are, the better they feel about the riding and the better they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Really, really deadly simple. Okay. I like I like that point about you know there is the 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 technical aspect of it. There's the the rules, the laws of how it works, but then there's the art, which I guess basically comes down to the application. How good are you? at taking that understanding and applying it. And that's, I think, why <clears throat> motorcycling is so challenging because the art, you can keep improving, improving your art, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. With, but without, with, without a uh, pretty good handle on the, on the technical skills, it's, it does, those are the things that any writer will start, will bump into, uh, uh -huh. you know, 
maybe every single corner that they ride. Right. Uh, maybe they don't know how to steer the bike. Right. I mean, right. This, this is one of the things that we, that we, uh, we do, we do steering drills for the students to make sure that they understand, uh, counter steering, right. If they don't understand counter steering or they have some phony idea that you can steer a motorcycle accurately some other way. Well, we, we fit, we, we make sure that they know that, right. that that is the right way to do it. And there is no other way to do it. Right. Right. sit around and they argue they argue these points you know endlessly but the fact is you cannot control a motorcycle's direction accurately unless you are counter steering the bike mm-hmm. and yeah. that's i didn't i didn't make up the physics on it but they're right. undeniable and and so on but you know it's one of those things that people like to argue about it's like okay fine argue about it but you know sure. you're gonna get you're gonna hurt yourself if you don't understand it yeah totally and, and that actually brings me to another thing that that really impacted me in, in reading your books is the and, and I think it goes along the lines of what you were just saying but the the idea of you know if if you understand the motorcycle and the principles under which it operates and the dynamics of it and you then learn to use your body to complement that and not fight it right like the point about not gripping the handlebars too tight because then you basically become part of the suspension you know, and, and then whatever the motorcycle is, is naturally trying to do to stay stable, you're possibly undoing. Correct. Right. And, and, and so that's, you know, just road riding so far, but that's changed, one, my approach to riding on the street, but also I've just found I'm more comfortable. I, I don't, you know, and right, I, I don't get, you know, the tense muscles as much. I mean, it makes sense, right, because I'm not holding on too tight, but I, you know, I definitely find the motorcycle handles better. And, and so it, and it's a good breakthrough to like read that and go, okay, now let me go try this thing. It's like, wow, yeah, it really does work that way. And so to the point about counter steering, if you're fighting this mentally, like, no, it doesn't work that way. You, you're just not going to get what you can out of the bike. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much. So, uh, it's, uh, it, it doesn't take a deep technical understanding of any of these things. Uh, the uh, the explanations, even though they they can be made quite complex, mm-hmm. uh, if you start talking to somebody who's a physics major or an engineer or whatever, they right. can go on and on and on and on and on and uh, endlessly. But the 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 key elements of it is is what we uh, is what we lay out in the technical briefings that we do. Just just the essential parts of it, so that we don't make them overly overly technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we cover the most important parts of each of the technical skills that that the rider that we that we train. Right. Yeah. You've um, uh, just in going through, and, and I'm actually going to put the link in the show notes for the podcast. I mentioned to you before we started that it's really cool, like the kind of biography timeline that you have, you know, on on your website, you know, the California Superbike School website. Um, and in there, I know there's a, a lot of things you mention about kind of innovations, things that you developed to help either kind of research motorcycles and how they operate or in training, you know, people to ride, you know, like, um, I know it was it in the, the second video, right? Where you show the, uh, what is it? Basically the, the traction control device, right? You got outriggers on the motorcycle so that, you know, someone can safely experiment with traction, you know, and, and where do you lose traction and things of that sort. Um, are, are those things that you use like in, in the standard classes or is those more tools that you've used just to research and develop the programs? Uh, 
No, no we, we use them at school. We have, uh, it's, it's uh, called the lean bike and it has yeah, articulated arms on both sides. So you can lean the bike over quite far either, right. either, either side. And uh, we use it uh, to train body position and uh, some throttle control aspects uh, and, and some visuals as well, visual skills that we train um, on our level two. And uh, yeah, I, I invented it. Yes, I invented it. I invented it and I patented it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, it's 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 pretty cool because uh, we can also use it to train rider about traction. Uh, once they get up to a point of good control of the bike, then we can. What we do is we we change the settings on the bike and on the arms because they have shocks on them, and that that transforms it into what we call the slide bike. Okay. So they we get the get the rider up to the point where they can slide the back of the bike with the power. And not do the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. So actually training them how to handle it if it happens, uh, how to get to it, what's it feel like, and then also how to remedy it. <laughs> the other, the other bike that uh, the first uh, training bike I, I uh, created was in 1984. It was called the Panic Brake bike, and it has also has arm breakers on it, and they're quite wide. Uh, they're solid mounted, so the bike can lean over a little bit, so you can you know turn it around. Right. But uh, we bring the rider up to the point where they feel comfortable actually locking up the front wheel of the bike, which is something that can happen in panic situations. Right. And the training is is all about you know first of all getting a feel for that, and then second of all uh, how to recover from it when it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's one of those things, it's a big breakthrough for, for most riders because, uh, the average rider, but a motorcycle will stop at about one G stopping force and one G stopping force will slow you down 22 miles per hour per second, mm-hmm. every second. So in other words, you slow down 22 miles per hour, the first second, 44 miles an hour, the second second, 66 miles an hour by the, by the third second. And <clears throat> Uh, this, the, uh, the average rider from accident reconstruction, their maximum braking is about 0.6 G's. So about half, a little over half of what what's possible. Yeah. What the motorcycle (laughs) capable of doing, and they should be able to capable of doing it too. A 0.6 G stop does not, does not, if you have a panic stop in front of you that you need to make, (laughs) Right. Uh, in, many, in in most cases, it it's it's not going to be enough. Right. Uh, uh, although there are some statistics, some accident statistics that kind of refute that and say that the rider the rider really could have uh, could have could have stopped if they panicked at the end and locked up the brake and tucked the front <clears throat> bike and crashed. Right. Right. That's that that's quite a that's a, a fairly common thing but from the accident. Uh, accident reconstruction people that I know and, and uh, that had long discussions about the subject with. Yeah, when you're, when you're bra- braking is very interesting. Bra- braking is very interesting. It's uh, 75% of the, of the braking distance uh, that, that, you, that you, that you have or use uh, at say a, a constant st- uh, slowing down force. Say say one G 75 percent of the distance uh, loses half the speed, 
So it it quite it it's it looks dire because you only have a little bit of space left over. But now you're yeah. only, say you're going sixty miles an hour. Now you're only going thirty miles an hour, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can stop thirty miles an hour in that distance, right? Okay. But here you are. You you know you you've you had one hundred twenty five. You got 125 feet. A good stop at 60 miles an hour is 125 feet on a motorcycle. Okay. So you've 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 gone 75, what 90 feet or something like that, right? And you got 35, 30, 35 feet left, left. but you're only about 30 miles an hour, right? Yeah. And you okay. can stop. <laughs> got it. Right. Let's say, let's say you had you had 130 feet to stop the motorcycle, right? Well, as it closes down to that last twenty-five or 30, 30 feet, and you're still moving, it look, doesn't look good. It doesn't look so good, and I and I guess that so that's where people panic. I guess is yeah, that's exactly right. That's when they panic. That's when they panic, and uh, and uh, so the brake the brake bike is great because it pushes. We push them through that hoop. We get them up to the point where they are making one G stops. Mm-hmm. Right? They are stopping the thing so hard that they are actually locking up the front wheel. Right, that's full stop. Right. Like, wow. Oh. Wow! Can you mean? Oh, you can break that hard! And, uh, it really opens opens up uh, an important aspect of of it because they would not do that on their own unless they experienced it. Like they yeah, ha- like, had that feeling and sensation. No, I totally get what you're saying. Practiced it if, if yeah. unless they unless they really 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 got together and practiced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's cool. What um what other devices have you developed? Like I, I think you have a wheelie, right? Like a wheelie device. Oh, I did have a wheelie school with, with a wheelie device, but I didn't. I wasn't that interested in wheelie, so I yeah. I, I, I got rid of that. Uh, I had a control trainer, which was uh, really good. It it was uh, uh, set up on a computer, and you could set different programs in it to work the the, the gear the gear lever, the throttle, brake, and clutch. Um, so that you could learn how to downshift or upshift or do clutchless upshifts and clutchless downshifts. Um, that was, that was pretty interesting. It, it captivated a lot of people. We have a thing, uh, we call the uh, body position bike. And, uh, one of them, we have two of them, actually. One of them is on a frame and it's got air ramps that flick it from side to side. It's just the frame and the body work and the handlebars and, and so on. It doesn't go any, it doesn't go anywhere. Okay. But it, it just goes from side to side, right? Yeah. But we can we can work with body position on that. We can work. Uh, uh, it actually has a braking function on it, where there's one air ramp at the back that tilts the thing up at a pretty good angle, so you get a little bit of the feel of of uh, of, um, of stopping, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you're you know jam jamming full jam on the brakes, yeah. But it also helps to train uh, train the riders on how to how to stay back and not you know slam into the tank and get uh, get into a body position they might not want. Right. right, right, right. So those those things. Uh, we've got we've got a numerous uh, paddock drills we call paddock drills that uh, that help a rider with uh, various visuals, different control manipulations. Um, uh, but I don't have any I don't have any more uh, more inventions. One one thing I invented actually back in the eighties was the over over the shoulder camera setup that we still use at at the school today. <clears throat> Looks over the rider's shoulder, where you can see the instrument cluster and see everywhere on the track where he's going, and we can uh, check body position. It's got 
uh, throttle application. It's got some uh, some technical readout on it, the speed they're they're going, the gear they're in, how much brake they're using, and how much uh, throttle they're using. So uh, it's very very good. And at at our schools, at the two day camps, especially everybody rides on the camera bike, and then immediately goes in and gets a review. Okay. And uh, that's one of those things where you know, yeah, it's easy to be del- a little delusional about what you're doing well and what you're not doing, but the re- we want that button, right? Just the go. hard evidence, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't squeak out of it. You know, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that must do. be a great teaching tool. It's a very good teaching tool. We also have uh, 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 GoPros for all of the, of the coaches for some of the things where they just want to follow the rider from from that perspective. Right? It's not as good as the over-the-shoulder over camera uh, boom that we have on our camera bikes, but there are certain things that we can see very, very well with it. And so we use, we use that type of camera stuff, um, video as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. When, um, when you got started like way back in the, in the seventies, right? Late seventies <clears throat> on doing training and things you were initially geared more towards racing, right? Like helping, helping racers improve their technique and improving lap times and things of that sort. Okay, but it's developed into so much more. I, I guess like the thing I was looking at, you know, just looking at your timeline and, and just what we've talked about is that, you know, there's so much that you did that way, right? In terms of being able to coach riders and, and help racers develop and win, win races and championships. But probably the biggest impact has just been riders in general, right? Just, just street riders because okay. of, of all these different teaching materials and techniques and tools and things that you have. It's, yeah, as I said before, our, our average age of rider is about 43, 44 years old. And yeah. uh, the, all they're interested in is is being a lot better at a completely elective subject, which is motorcycle riding. And it's a passion. It's a passion. Yes. Um, they, they're doing it because they're passionate about it. And, and uh, it's, uh, that's why they're doing it. They're doing it. They're doing it because they want to do it and they like it. And it gives them a good feeling. And it's... Uh, it's the cheapest, just about, it's the cheapest therapy that exists on earth. You got on a motorcycle. Aside from that, people who ride motorcycles are in better mental condition than people who drive cars. And there was a mm-hmm. huge, huge study done in Japan. Wow. I mean, it went on for years and years and years. They had thousands and thousands of riders and, and drivers, and they compared these, their lives and how they did and their, their, their demeanor and and their you know their just their general uh, emotional tone levels and that sort of thing it was fantastic and and uh, the motorcycle riders hands down I mean by head and shoulders right <laughs> they were they were doing so much better and it was a really really super scientific uh, test it was no joke. That's really cool. I'll have to check that out. And that was that was a Japanese study, you said? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I I don't know if I have still have the the little blurb on it or not. I it was years ago that it was done. Yeah. If okay. I can find it, I'll send it to you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Because I you know, absolutely it's one of the things I talk about with people is riding being so therapeutic. And I think it's for lots of different reasons. Um just the fact that you're out in the open and space and and it's interesting too, like in the book, how you talk about you know visual skills and ability and and like the drills and things that you have for people being able to 
you know, broaden their visual field and, and being able to be aware of more things. But I think it's just that being out in the open and, and just, you know, just not having anything surrounding you, you know, there's no, no limiting boundaries and stuff like that, I think helps. And then yeah, it may, may, maybe the people drawn to motorcycles are the people who are just a little more together. I, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I cannot think of a, uh, a better uh, group of people. When we say group, you know, we're talking about people who have completely different lives, completely different lifestyles, completely different jobs, all the way up and down the scale. Brain yep. surgeons to, 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 you know, maintenance guys or whatever it is. And these are the people who come to the superbike school. It's like, it's everybody. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of guys. And I mean, I personally trained 125 or 130,000 people, lectured to them five times a day, right? Talked to them, uh, surveyed them, got, you know, got, I mean, and these are wonderful people. It's just absolutely. I mean, this, this is the school's 40th season. Wow. We've been doing this for 40 years. That's right? awesome. And the, the interest and the enthusiasm is, if it's if anything, it's it's getting greater. It doesn't hasn't gotten less at all. That's that's and, awesome. Because one one of the things I was going to ask you about is because obviously you see this on a daily basis. You have way more data than I have. You know, <clears throat> the my podcast and other podcasts I know about. You know, there's discussion about what what's the state of the motorcycle industry and are things shrinking and you know, all this kind of stuff. What like what what's your view? Like what what you see? You know, both in just general the activity, the sport of motorcycling, and even let's say motorcycle racing. Do you see kind of Things are growing and expanding. There's a bright future. How does it look? It's improving. You? It's improving. Uh, we we had a hard, hard, hard blow on uh, 2008, 2009 with the with the, the whatever they called it Re- recession and the, whatever. Yeah, the, yeah, the global financial crisis. Right. <laughs> there you go. Which, which is perpetrated by a bunch of criminals. Okay. Right. Bankers. That is same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they. <clears throat> The, the industry crashed hugely in 09, 10, 11, 12, 13. We, were, we had worked up uh, in 1979, late, late 70s. The 70s were the golden age of motorcycles in the United States. More people had motorcycles. There was, it was a 1.3 or 1.4 million unit uh, industry at that time. And from 1980 all the way to 1995, it dipped and dipped and dipped and dipped and it flattened out, but it didn't go up. I mean, it might have gone up fractionally in one year, but just just fractionally. 95, it started to turn around. So we had 10 years of improvement. And we got back up to about 1.2 or 1.3 million units, right? And then after the 09 fiasco, financial fiasco, we're back down under 500,000 again. So, right. you know, the, the manufacturers are struggling with this. They they want to come up with new stuff, but they also have to develop new stuff, and it costs money to develop new stuff. Sure. That most guys have not stopped development right. uh, because their competition hasn't stopped development. But there's a little bit less of a reach out there. There's less money for racing, for example, right? And back in the in the uh, '80s, there was a lot of money for racing. '90s, a lot of money for racing. Factories, right. Honda had a, a team. You know, Suzuki sure. had a team, Kawasaki yeah. had a team, Yamaha had a team, right? Yeah. It was good. 
it was really good. People were getting paid to race and so on, but you know, they don't have the money now to do that. So they pay contingencies for, for racing and, and that type of thing. But uh, the face of racing has changed quite a bit. And Wayne Rainey and the people at Moto America are, are doing their level best to reestablish um, motorcycle racing in America uh, because it was, it was very, very suppressed for about six or seven years when it got bought road racing, uh, motorcycle racing got bought by the international speedway corp, which is the people at Daytona, the France family. Okay. And, uh, they, they, they lost the television. They changed the name of names of the classes to things. That, so that they, they didn't align up with anything else in the world. They really, they really had, you know, the bright new ideas that were all horrible. Yeah. Right. They did nothing, but, but, uh, nearly killed the sport factually yeah. nearly killed the sport. So Wayne and his group are, are back at it and they're, they're putting their heart and soul into it. And Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love what they're doing. I mean, <clears throat> I've always been a racing fan before I started riding motorcycles, car racing was my thing. And, you know, now that I'm into motorcycles, mostly it's time, but now, now it's just motorcycle racing is what I follow. I just don't have time to do it all. But, you know, yeah, I love MotoGP, but I, I just love what Moto America is doing and, and just working to develop, you know, motor, you know, the interest again, motorcycle racing in the U.S. And so, you know, I go, I've, I've gone to, well, I went to a race last year, Gene and I went, we're going to go again this year, you know, down Jersey Motorsports Park. So just, and, and I talk about it whenever I can on the podcast, just to, you know, just get people interested and stuff. So, well, we're all, and, well, as far as that goes, uh, yes, um, that, that's that's that, that's great. Uh, it would be great for for any any people on the podcast to go ahead and experience the racing down there. It would be great to go down and buy a ticket and watch motorcycle racing. Uh, we're we're only training one person at this time in Moto America, and he's a he's a new uh, he's fourteen, and he's in the Junior Cup, mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, his his dad was one of my original coaches, one of my original uh, uh, upper level coaches. He was he was the first guy I trained actually to deliver my my technical briefings, and uh, he had he, the boy's name is Rocco Landers. Sure. And Rocco Rocco did uh, uh, he did a couple of seasons in Spain and Italy, mm -hmm. riding on little little teensy wincy bikes, right? Little mini mini GP bikes. And he's over here, and he's just absolutely annihilating. Yep, kicking butt. Competition, right? He just, yeah. just smoked everybody on Sunday at Laguna Seca. He won by nine seconds. Uh, I, I texted him, and I said, hey, you marquez them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. He wrote back, laugh, you know, LOL, laugh out loud. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I listened to the interview that he did with uh, the, the guys from Moto America, the On Track podcast, you know, Sean Bice and uh, Paul Carruthers. So uh, that was, that was, that was kind of cool. Just uh, He seems like a really good kid, like great personality and communicates great. really well and just, you know, seems to love what he's doing. So great, great like, kid. That's, that's the future. Great kid, hard worker, uh, uh, very smart, uh, very, very congenial. Uh, got you know, he's got a, a lot of race savvy. Got a lot of race savvy, and uh, and he's you know he's not intimidated by anything. And uh, he'll be training with us again at the Ridge uh, this coming month. We've we've uh, we, we we worked with him at Laguna Seca. He wasn't at any of the tracks that he's raced this year 
even though he had won six out of seven races by the time they got to Laguna Seca. He'd never been to any of those tracks. Wow. Yeah. He did do school with us. Okay. A couple of days of school with us at Laguna Seca, and that was the first one. So uh, it wasn't a big surprise that he, you know, really smoked him. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's fun. It's fun to work with with uh, young kids. We we work with quite a few, and uh, over the years. But he's he's the only one that we're working with at the moment. Almost, yeah. Gotcha. So uh, with with your schedule and traveling and everything you're doing, do you get much chance to ride these days? I got a chance to ride last week at the Ridge, and I had a really wonderful time. We have the brand new uh, our new. We're just changing over our fleet to the 2020 uh, BMW uh, S1000. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, we started with BMW in 2010 with uh, the very first uh, S1000RR, and I was very, very happy with the motorcycle. Actually, if they had never changed it, you'd still be getting on a great motorcycle. But they may have made some, quite a few technical advances. But this year, they they just they knocked it out of the park. The, the new 2020 bike is fantastic. Wow. Uh, it feels so good. It's uh, it, The braking is incredible. The suspension is 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 good. They knock 26 pounds out or 23 or four, 20, 25 pounds, whatever off the motorcycle. It feels incredible. It's just, it's steering is, is so agile. It's, it's so nice of an integrated package. Uh, we're, we're just so happy to have those bikes. We're going to, we'll, we'll sell off all of our 2018 bikes here over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, very happy to get, very happy to get the new, the new BMW. They, it, it's, it's a, it, 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 you know, they, they, they made so many changes in that motorcycle over the 10 years that they've been building it double R that it was hard to imagine where they were going to go with it. Yeah. You know, and, um, they, they did build the HP four R right. Right. The carbon, the carbon. <clears throat> yep. Right. The race. We have one of those bikes and those, the, the price tag is huge on the, yeah. on the, Say seventy-eight thousand dollars. Oh my God, that's an incredible amount of money. But it's one hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of motorcycle. Oh, okay. Right. And right. You have to understand it's all relative, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all relative. Uh, yeah. It would cost you at least that much to build it. To build it. Well, more, you know, actually. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, that is—it's not even in the ballpark. It is so amazing to ride that motorcycle, right? It weighs—it weighs three pounds less than a 400 Ninja and has 215 horsepower, right? Wow. <laughs> Amazing. And the handling is just, it's just, you go, oh, really? Is that what it's all about? I mean, it's just so out of, it's so wow. out of the park. The 2018 BMW S1000RR was a fantastic, it was a really, really good handling motorcycle. And it's not an HP4R, right? And the 2020 is not an HP4R, but it is, very much in that direction. It is such a mal- fun ergonomics. The bike's fantastic. It's not all cramped up. It's quite roomy, and just everything works so well on it. I was, I just, I just spent. Uh, I was able to ride it for a few sessions at, up at up at the ridge that we were just at at Olympia, and I was, I was just blown away. It's wow. really neat motorcycle. So, sounds like a nice piece of engineering. <laughs> they, really, they really did it right. It's completely different too. There's, there just, there are no, no parts, right? In the, in the, in the previous ten years of double R's, 
you know, sometimes you know the foot pegged fit or the handlebar or something like that, right? Yeah. There's nothing that there's nothing that fits from any of those now. This is a completely remanufactured motorcycle. Wow. It's different engine, different frame, different swing arm, different everything's different. And it's wow. it's a sweetheart. But anyhow, yeah. that's that's awesome. that's a big plug for BMW, but they deserve it really. It's a, it's so so incredible. Wow. And, uh, so yeah, I get a chance to ride every once in a while, but not on the street. Really, I don't have time to ride on the street. I don't have yeah. a bike. Uh, I can get a street bike if I want a street bike. Sure. And I, I have ridden occasionally, but yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty much, uh, pretty much my life travel at the school, uh, work with the students. And, uh, when I get a chance to ride, I do. Oh, I, that's, that's awesome. Well, you, you look like a happy man. So I guess, uh, you enjoy what you're doing. Well, I'm not, I'm not fast on a motorcycle anymore. You know, I, I guess I don't have to be fast anymore. Yeah. I have, but it, but it, it's, it's so much fun for me to go out and ride because, uh, I, I have the same problems that everybody else has, mm-hmm. right? I might be able to, to figure them out and write them down, but I have the same problems that everybody else does. Sure. And because that's just the way it is. The problems of riding a motorcycle are problems of riding a motorcycle. Yeah. And so it's terribly interesting for me to go out and try to, plug those programs back in, you know, reboot my, my experience of riding and, and all that sort of thing. Right. I mean, yeah, sure. I've been riding for, let's see, 62 years, 50 something, right? 50 years. Like the fifties you started, right? Like 62 years. Wow. Wait a minute. <clears throat> yeah. 62 years. I that's started in 1957, that, right? That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, but, it, it hasn't it hasn't lost its fun. I can tell you that. It just sort of annoys me that all my coaches are so much faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but then you know, I, I mean, you you taught them, right? So, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I can have some solace in the fact that I I trained them all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, getting used to the tires and, and and going fast. I don't have to do it anymore. But but you know, once you've been a racer. It's hard to erase. It's hard to erase your racer mentality. It just, yeah. boy. I mean, I'm 74, and I, I go out there. It's like I see somebody in front of me. I just want to go and get them. Right. It's awesome. <laughs> it's just the way it's, it's just the way it is. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, quite often, I can. You know, so that's that's, that's all right. Even, even better, right? <laughs> oh, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So. Uh, I know, I know it's getting a little bit late. I, we we kind of went yeah. over a lot. Good time to wrap it up. Um, any last words you have, like for you know, like what my one of my things is new riders. You know, helping you know new riders get started. You know, obviously, exp- you know, helping expand the industry in general. But yeah. any uh, words of wisdom? You know, other than obviously reading your books and watching your DVDs and the coming book- to, to do. Yeah, Chris. You know the the, the books. The books and uh, and the DVDs are are good learning tools. They really are. I mean, I can just take myself out of the out of the sequence and, and say, yeah, okay, I did them. I know I did them. But uh, so many hundreds of thousands of copies of those books have been sold in the world, and they're in nine languages, right? Uh-huh. They people use them, and and there there's good data in them. They, you know, I'm. I'm just lucky enough to have picked up the corner of this thing and figured out some things and uh, people use them and they improve because they're, they're real, real solid basics in them that if you take the time to, to, uh, 
to understand them and apply them, uh, your writing, the writing will improve. And it just, it's, I know that that's true. You know, I've just seen it too many times, heard it too many times. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's irrefutable. And so, uh, but aside from that, sure, I would love people to come to uh, Superbike School. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's where we, you know, put it all together. And that's fantastic. Um, but I think anybody who, uh, who, who takes the time to try to get more information about writing and actually takes the time to try to apply it to their writing, that, that they will, they will, that, that's, that's as good as it gets. And, and that's, that's pretty much what everybody's got to do. Right. At right. This Absolutely. That's, yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, like I said, just from reading the books, watching the, the DVDs, I see the change in myself. I know there's a lot more improvement that can come, you know, but, um, Yep. Yeah, definitely. It's helped a lot. So, okay. Well, that's 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 the best I can say at this point is to get the get the books and DVDs. There's good good information on it, and yeah, um, they're uh, 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 there's. There, I mean, there is other written material out there. Other guys have written books. Sure. Lee Parks Lee Parks wrote a book. Yeah. Um, Nick Inos wrote a book. Um, uh, let's see. Um, David Huff has some books that are yeah. like a book or a couple books that are kind of a compendium of his uh, articles. Um, if people want to find out more about about my stuff, uh, they can go on to if they go on to our school website at superbuckschool.com, There's a whole section uh, by by the Keith Code. You know, there's you know staff, and if they click mm-hmm. on yeah, yeah, uh, like about us, yeah. There's, there's a, yeah, the about us thing. Uh, there are, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 articles that I've written on all aspects of riding, street riding, racing, cornering, visual skills, et cetera. Just, there's a lot of information in there that they can keep on. Doesn't cost anything. Sure. You know? It's just sure. there. So, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's also another way to, to, uh, co- you know, have continued, continued education yeah, sure. and find out more about the spirit of the sport. Yeah and the art of the sport and uh uh yeah cool cool yeah so i'll put the i'll put the link to your website you know in the show notes for the podcast so people can easily find it and then uh if people want to contact you what's the easiest way just through the website or if uh, i just want to get more info oh yeah sure right uh just because uh, you have like a contact uh, contact us form or something right people could just ask okay. questions or whatever yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can sign up online. Uh, the schools, what the levels are all about, uh, all the data on what we do is there. All our specialty equipment, like we talked about before, yeah. is there. Our schedules uh, there. On what we do, where we go, uh, awesome. all the prices and all you know, all the data is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can spend a lot of time looking around on that website and and come out with a kind of a pretty good education, actually. Yeah, we, we also have a forum there too for oh, okay. people who are interested in uh, asking questions. And we, we, uh, uh, myself, I I don't go on it so much, but my coaches do. Yeah, and uh, so uh, they can get their questions answered as well. Okay. So yeah, yeah I see the link there. I'll put that link also. Actually, I'll, I'll sign up. I didn't even I didn't even realize you had a forum on there. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'll check it out. Okay, cool, awesome. So Keith, thank you very much. I, I hope maybe we'll meet in person one day. That'd be really cool. All right. Yeah, and, uh, me too. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. And I know the listeners are going to love it. And uh, good luck with everything. I hope so. Let me know how the show goes. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Chris, bye. Okay. So long.
Thank you again to Keith Code for making the time to join the show. I had a lot of fun and learned a lot from our discussion. I've also benefited a lot just from reading his books and watching his DVDs, and I encourage you to check them out if you haven't already. And if you have utilized them, please let me know what you've gotten from them. I definitely plan to do some training in the future with the California Superbike School, and I'll let you know more once I get that scheduled, and I'll also do a future episode on what I get out of the training. As always, thank you to everyone who has written in. If I haven't mentioned you on the show yet, I will in a future episode. But I do answer everyone's emails and messages personally as soon as I can, usually the same day. If you haven't already, please drop me an email or fill out the contact form on my website or message me on Facebook and let me know that you're out there and anything you want to let me know about the show. You can email me anytime at soyouwanttoride at yahoo.com or use the link in the podcast notes to my website, soyouwanttoridemotorcycle.com, where you'll find all my contact details. Also keep in mind, I still have stickers available, so if you'd like to help me promote the podcast, just email me your mailing address and I will get those out to you. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a donation using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis or click the donate link at the upper right side on my website. Please like and leave me comments and a rating on your favorite podcast service. That'll help other people find my podcast. Also, please like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for So You Want to Ride. Please keep spreading the word and help me build my online and listener communities. And as always, thank you for listening. And just remember... Whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 